The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to Dynamic Healing with two experts in chronic pain, David Hanscom and Les Aria. This podcast will show you how to unlock your body's ability to heal. Just breathe and learn how to rewire your brain and break free from chronic pain. Welcome to Dynamic Healing Podcast. I'm Les Aria. And I'm David Hanscom. And we're going through a series of podcasts about this movie coming up called Love Heals. And it's produced by um, Chrisana Sexton and Dana Crochet. And Dana was a doc journey veteran. She's worked with Les and myself both. And she has a remarkable healing journey. And it's encapsulated in the film that they produced called Love Heals, which is undergoing screenings now, will soon be available to the public in general. And it's a wonderful movie, but it, they asked us to talk about it in some detail. And what we have come up with as we've discussed it with each other is what exactly is love? What part of love heals? Because there's certain types of love that don't heal. So our purpose today is to deepen the definition of love. It is a physiological state of safety. And then as we unpack this over the next few podcasts, um, we've already had some very interesting conversations this morning about the whole topic. Yeah, absolutely. And um, how about we do a quote here? So um, David, uh, so it sounds like um, this is a a great topic for many of us. And uh, here's the quote. What is love? Take a rose, and is it possible for a rose to say, I shall offer my fragrance only to good people and not to bad people? Anthony DeMello. Basically, that quote is saying is, love is really not about giving it only when you do something right, but love is offered regardless with no conditions. That's a pretty powerful quote by Anthony DeMello. Well, I mean, really, the book, first of all, Anthony DeMello is a very famous Jesuit priest who passed away in the 80s. He's considered one of the greatest thinkers of all time. And I was introduced to him through a book called Awareness, which is a series of lectures he gave over a five-day workshop. And he is so clear about awareness and what it means to be aware. And this book, The Way to Love, is actually the way to awareness. And the reason why we're bringing this up in the context of chronic pain, anxiety, physical pain, et cetera, is that when you're under threat, you're under the defensive, 
you feel anxious and frustrated, which is actually the opposite of awareness. And so it's actually, we're going to use the word love and awareness as synonyms that basically are the same thing. And we're going to point out that in the presence of chronic disease and chronic pain, when you're feeling under threat, that awareness goes out the window. And so when we talk about love heals as a state of awareness, openness, healing, and it doesn't, it doesn't just happen. You have to learn how to understand it, be aware of it, be aware of awareness, being aware when you're unaware, but also to help yourself induce a state of healing. So Les, you want to talk to us about the whole idea about the physiology of threat versus safety, what that means? Yeah, I think that's that's a good start to kind of get some foundation here. I was, uh, as you were speaking, I was thinking about this is um, the last time I was irritated um, when my dog was tugging me, um, you know, sniffing on, sniffing the ground and I wanted to walk a little bit faster. And in that moment, um, I was irritated. I, I, I recognized that I pulled his leash in closer to me to try to recorrect his behavior, but he's just doing his thing. But in that moment, when we get, when we feel threat or when we feel stressed, to keep it simple, there is no way in that moment can we feel a sense of love. Physiologically, if you think about this, when we are sympathetically activated, which is called our stress response, or some people know it as fight or flight, when we're in that state, that physiological state of defense, feeling stressed, there is no way we enter into the portal. There is no way we enter into the portal of love, which is a form of safety. Now, threat and safety are both what we call physiological states. And so for us to be able to feel a little bit more love, it would require us to be able to, as David would say, be aware. And so in that sense, when we're saying aware is to recognize that when we're activated physiologically, it is very difficult to be open, receptive, and other things that would promote a sense of love. So just recognize the fact is the foundation is when we get triggered, there is another part of us that shows up in service of survival. And that part does not permit us to be open and loving and receptive in a non-judgmental way. So this is why it's real important for us to recognize this is when you get stressed out and irritated, we have, as David and I have talked to you about, is that in the past episodes, we have choice. But I'm going to steal David's word here um, for this specific, is we have a choice to be fully mindfully in that present moment that we are activated. And when you can actually start to recognize you're activated, it will actually allow you to shift your physiology intentionally so you can actually open up the portal of safety and then enter into the doorstep of love. Well, the issue is that we humans are programmed by our prior life. We have consciousness, we have memories, we have experiences. So going forward, we base our future, act, future actions based on past experiences. So yes. anytime you feel anxious or frustrated, that means something in the present moment right now has stimulated something from the past that was right. dangerous or is perceived as dangerous. So you're actually not here anymore. You're in the past. So when you're anxious or frustrated, especially frustrated, you're, you've lost awareness. You can't yes. be here and there at the same time. The other problem with that is that when you're stimulated or triggered, this unconscious survival response, as our friend Bruce Lipton points out, is unconscious. It's automatic. There's nothing yes. to do. It's a survival reaction that's primitive. There's nothing you can do. So this reaction is a one million more, one million times more powerful than your conscious brain. It's a complete mm -hmm. mismatch. 
So mind over matter, positive thinking is not going to solve this issue. So this hit me really hard is that years ago, I put on a course for my hospital called a course in compassion or love, empathy in the presence of chronic pain. And what I realized working with my pain psychologist back then is that is that relationship with the patient and the doctor that makes the biggest difference of feeling safe. And so I realized that myself included, I don't want to be too critical of my colleagues because I'm one of my own people, is that patients feel labeled by their doctors and they are in their, in their medical professionals. And you have you know, labels like drug addiction, you know, lazy, malingers, don't want to work, et cetera. It's not true. So those labels actually block awareness. And so what I realized that the essence of healing is actually connecting with the patient and allowing them to feel safe. So in the process of that course, I've been connected with a group called a Charter for Compassion, which I still applaud their efforts. I'm not against what they do. It's a great organization. But I realized that, okay, we had compassionate rallies, compassionate cities, compassionate slogans. But when you're triggered, compassion goes right out the window. Yeah. So look, you have to learn how to process the triggers. We all have inherent connection to ourselves and connection with other people. But when you're triggered, it blocks it. So what I couldn't convince anybody about this. And I'm excited to work with less than people like him because as you process triggers, which are unconscious and powerful, then compassion emerges. Right. You can't, you can't, you can induce compassion. You can create a state of safety or love. Right. You can't do that unless you find a way to actually process the anxiety and the anger. Yeah, David, that, that is absolutely beautifully said. Absolutely. I, as you were speaking to, as um, just as you said, I, I think we want to have a little kindness here, um, including myself, yourself, and, and the audience, is what you just said there really says, look, when stuff shows up, it's not so much you, it's being triggered by the survival response. I, I really want to make sure the audience hears that because you really laid it out so nicely, David. And I have a sentence that, uh, David, I've used this uh, in a previous podcast, and basically, I'm going to say it real slowly because it summarizes everything you just said in a single sentence. And it goes something like this, your biography becomes your biology, your biography, who you are, where, where you were, who raised you, what the environment did to you, how safe was it, how safe was it not, created part of our personality, create, altered our physiology, which specifically your nervous system, altered the way you make choices uh, to be perfectionistic, a pleaser, you know, a fighter, whatever it is, whomever raised you, the environment and your interactions with it altered your nervous system and contributed to your personality. And when in the present day, when we get triggered, like you said, the past shows up in the present through the nervous system and the circuitries of the brain. So that's what we were trying to tell folks here, David, I think, is like, listen, when you get triggered, activated, realize that, you know, have some kindness to, to yourself that this is just a survival mechanism. The part where we are want to kind of shift and talk about is this is how do we bring a little bit more love and how does kind of sustain that? Um, and that's and that's a difficult thing to do. I think your first step sounds like is to be fully um, you know, aware that something has shifted in you and to process it, as you would say. So we're defining <clears throat> love as awareness. Again, not my definition. It's Dr. DeMello's and other deep thinkers over the centuries. So you had to be aware in order to um, have love. 
And that awareness, that openness is what allows your body to heal. So Lessa said it very clearly over a period of time that anxiety is a physiological state. It's an activated nervous system. Your body's chemistry is on the defense. And one of the points that we need to bring up is that when you're in that defensive survival state, the blood flow in your brain shifts from your neocortex or the thinking centers down into the survival brain. You actually cannot think clearly because the blood supply is compromised, not even in the right spot of your brain. Right. So your metabolic activity in the front part of your brain is decreased. The metabolic activity in the midbrain or survival brain is increased. So you actually can't think clearly when you're anxious and frustrated. So anxiety, the sensation generated by this physiological state is what we call anxiety. And it creates lots of psychological behaviors to try to avoid the sensation. But safety is also a physiological state. And love is one of those deeper manifestations of safety, which is also a physiological state. So we're full of oxytocin and dopamine and anti-inflammatory chemicals. And your body's in a rest and digest state. You're open and you heal. So the term love heals is not a phrase to be glossed over lightly. It's a very deep connotation to this word love heals because it's a healing state. So it's, it's tricky because it's a healing state, <clears throat> but there's also ways to heal to induce that healing state. Yeah. So the bottom line is anxiety, anger, and love cannot coexist. Okay. Now, remember this happens every day, it's dynamic. Remember you get threatened, either real or perceived threats every day. So it's not like you're trying to hit the state of nirvana, which I think is a bit of a trap in this whole process that, okay, love heals. I need to be in a state of love all the time. That is a huge trap. So we hit a meditative state. We feel great. We want to hold on to it. And Dr. DeMello also says the same thing, that when something feels good, we want more. And when something feels bad, we want less, i.e. pain. So that defines attachment. We get attached to feeling good. We get attached to not feeling bad. So again, it's a little bit tricky because love means, okay, I'm aware I'm triggered. I'm aware that I'm unaware right now. Then you use your tools to bring, bring yourself back to safety, but it's not a continuous state of mind or being. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, it comes back to this fully awareness and to take from polyvagal theory, Stephen Porges' theory framework, is to recognize where we are in our physiological states. That's what you're really saying. You're saying, look, you know, when you're activated, know that you're activated. Um, you know, there's a practice we uh, I use with my patients, David, on a regular basis. When I'm doing meditation with them, I say a sentence something like this, knowing when I'm breathing in, knowing when I'm breathing out, knowing when I'm activated, knowing when I'm not in love. So it's, it's interesting because what you're really saying is we really need to put the spotlight on no matter what our nervous system does, our brain, our bodies do, we are still there. And David and I have talked about choice. You could be angry, but you are to when most of the time we're not aware that we're so angry because we're really getting drunk. We over identify with that thought, that emotion and physical sensation or we over-identify with a physiological state of defense, the stress response, where we're kind of complaining in our head. And David talked about just a few seconds ago, um, what we call an act um, called the um, tug of war with the mind. You're doing a push-pull. You're pulling in good things. I only want to feel good things. How do I get rid of the bad things? When you're in that physiological state of tug of war with your mind, 
what happens is you're still stuck in a state of stress response. So David is trying to get us to recognize, look, do recognize where you are in your physiological states. Do recognize when you're activated, because that is really awareness is truly the first step. And I think that's a, it's a wonderful thing to be able to recognize that. And for most of us, we don't know this until we have specific skills and training. But for what it's worth here is just, just what David said is really one of the most powerful things you can do is knowing where you are when you're activated, knowing that you're stressed out, knowing that there's no way to enter into the portal of love or to be able to allow healing to take place. Because David, I don't know, but you're a surgeon. Have you ever um, treated, uh, cut into someone who's very depressed? I know towards the end of your practice, you were, you were very strict about who you did surgery with, but um, in your years of surgery, um, and I used to do those consults, by the way, after you guys cut into folks, I used to, they used to call me up, um, is this person depressed and how long will they take to leave? And yeah. I could predict that, that was my consult. They're like, uh, I think they're depressed because they're going to be here longer. We could predict that when someone got done with surgery, and I used to tell the surgeons, if they have pre-existing depression and you cut into them, they will take longer. They will have higher use of opioids. And that's coming back to a state of stress and activation. And when the people who went home sooner and used less opioids, they had a sense of love around them and within them. Huge difference, David, I'm not sure if you saw in your practice, but it comes back to what you were talking about, the, um, the threat of safety versus, um, you know, um, physiological states, the shift between threat and safety uh, in surgery. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah, that's interesting, Les, because what happened the last seven years of my practice is that we did a process called prehab. And I want to segue in this a little bit because it sounds like it doesn't really discuss love, except what we find out, that the data says to help people sleep better, mm -hmm. to have less anxiety, to catastrophize less, to people do fear avoidance. Mm -hmm. We talked about medication adjustments. We talked about a sense of safety. And here's the deal. That's why... Anxiety and safety are not psychological constructs, they are physiological because what happens 
as you develop a sense of connection and safety with your doctor, you go through the process of calming down your body's physiology and your nervous system and your whole body. Right. The, the data shows that the, your inflammatory response drops down dramatically and you heal faster. I mean, they did a, one experiment with what we call expressive writing, which is one of the ways of dropping down the stress response. And they did punch biopsies on a, on a group of patients and they compared the group that did the writing and the group that did not do the writing the people that did the writing healed the punch biopsies twice as fast. I also say in the last seven years of my practices, I was just really, I'll use the word compulsive, not a <clears throat> great word for me, but that's the way surgeons tend to be. I was just really adamant about doing prehab for at least 12 weeks before every patient. And my, and my infection rate dropped almost to zero. And you're right, there was minimal medications afterwards. They rehab quickly. Then a lot of patients would say, well, this is nonsense. And they just wouldn't do it. Well, occasionally uh, we get talked into doing the surgery and it was not good. People did badly, a lot of times worse afterwards. And I didn't understand it until I looked at the data again. Wow. The data says if you operate in the presence of untreated chronic pain, mm -hmm. that you can induce chronic pain at the new surgical site 40 to 60% of the time. In other words, if you have chronic neck pain and you have a breast biopsy or a gallbladder or a hernia repair, which are pretty simple operations, Right. Not, a lot, not a lot of tissue trauma, not a lot of damage, not a lot of post-operative pain, that you can actually induce chronic pain at the new surgical site 40 to 60% of the time. So you have a simple hernia repair, all of a sudden you have chronic pain at the hernia site. So wow. what happens, we know that chronic pain is a neurological process. It's a memorized process. And what happens, you start plugging in body parts. Mm. I noticed even with epidural injections, just simple injections, People would have horrible reaction to a simple yeah. injection in the presence of chronic pain. But the yeah. problem is your whole nervous system is fired up. So I want to just keep the word love in your forefront because love is safety, connection, and optimum yeah. physiology. So as a surgeon, why wouldn't you want to optimize your chances of a good outcome? So I used to tease my fellows of going, when's the last time you saw a surgical failure in my practice? And it wasn't because I was a better surgeon, but I would for years do this perfect operation and patients get worse. I didn't understand it, but I didn't know the data. The data is right there. So you have a fired up wow. nervous system, you add more trauma to your body and you mm -hmm. start plugging in body parts. So of course at the surgical site, that pain gets worse. Then one of my fellows made a comment, which blew me away, very insightful comment. Is that, okay, we get rid of somebody's leg pain and all of a sudden their prior neck pain would start to hurt. And they were just as bad of a shape as they were before the surgery. And his point was that the pain that's left is now 100% of their pain. I go, okay. <laughs> so this thing about, that's what I'm saying, this word that we call love is a very deep word that we're gonna keep unpacking over the next several podcasts because there's many layers to it. And I'm gonna just <clears throat> introduce a topic today because we might use this on our next podcast in that love is awareness. When you're anxious or angry, you've lost awareness. But you said something that triggered one blog I just wrote. <clears throat> I think it re re reminding me of this blog is that the first step in awareness is understanding when you were unaware. That's the first step. I mean, I didn't, I, right. I thought, yeah. I mean, actually one of my identities for my most of my life was being aware. Yeah. Well, I would, that, so when I'm attached to the identity of awareness, by definition, I'm unaware. Right. Yes, that is funny. That's a tongue twisty. Folks have to rewind and hear what David just said. 
You, you want to try to salvage me here, Les? No, I think that's great. Look, <laughs> I'm going to let you hang out there for a second. So, oh, thank you. So, are so you listen. Aware of, now, so, I'm now a little bit anxious. Now so, you're aware of it, me, right? I'm, I'm losing awareness right now. Is this with the guru? <laughs> well, hey, David, I could, if I could hug you across the screen, I would do that. So, uh, uh, David, you're right about that. It's it's so powerful in your years of being a surgeon and some of the most difficult things you've done that you you can actually predict who will actually get better and who will have more um, inflammation. And that's what I used to do um, in my residency. Uh, I used to do hospital rounds. Uh, I was part of something called the CL team consultation liaison. And you fellas, that is you surgeons, would pay me. <laughs> I kid you not. I'd be having- There's many women surgeons, Dr. <laughs> yes. quite excellent. Yes, yes, so who are really excellent. And yes, I have come across many excellent surgeons. But very often I'd get a I'd get a page, especially during when I'm biting into my sandwich during lunchtime, and the page goes off. And basically they want a, a consult like stat, and um, because they're not quite sure why the person's pain is out of hand, they feel it's disproportionate. And when I do my consult and my bedside consult, I often find that there's there was pre-existing depression, pre-existing chaos at home, pre-existing, you know, just a lot of bad stuff. And their nervous system was fired up and wired up. And when the surgeon cut into them, it just produced this. I'm looking at a study right now, David, which really speaks um, volumes on what you said. And uh, the study was published in the archives of general psychiatry. And it basically goes something like this. It says, love heals. And it says that it's scientifically proven. So the study was published again, like I said, in archives of general psychiatry. And scientists found out that wounds heal faster in couples who are most stable and loving and supportive of each other. Wow. This is very powerful, yeah. And then they go on to say that um, the reverse is true, which is what I experienced when I did consults. When you've got um, a spouse there, for example, um, a wonderful lady who's trying to recover from surgery or hysterectomy, and you got the spouse, uh, the partner being very like, you know, you know, when will you get better and when will you get out of uh, the hospital? Just very, just unhelpful. They found out that people in the study is what they found out. People in hostile relationships tend to have slower wound healing capacity. This is thought, so you will like this because David has, speaks volumes about this and DR, our good buddy, um, David Clawson, Dr. David Clawson speaks about this. This is what the article says. They believe that the reason the wound is uh, healing slowly, slowly, whether in surgery or maybe in trauma or chronic pain, it doesn't quite matter that the nervous system is fired up and wired up. Here's what they found. They thought it was due to, they believe it's due to pro-inflammatory cytokines released when the person was sad, lonely, or subjected to sort of abuse. That includes themselves. Why am I not getting better? The presence of this compound, the cytokines, the pro-inflammatory cytokines, was found to be much lower in people who were loved, protected, and feeling safe within themselves and with their family members and friends. What, what year is that published? This one was published in the early 2000s. So, so and, if you can send, send me that article, because it's interesting. I just wrote a proposal with a friend of mine about prehab, which is the rehab you do before surgery. So one point is that anxiety depression, yeah. both inflammatory disorders. So I didn't know that. I always thought anxiety was psychological. It is not. It's a physiological state. And part of it is being inflamed, which is going to compromise 
first of all, it sensitizes the nerves. So you'll heal, you'll feel pain more. Secondly, when your body's in fight or flight, it doesn't have the reserves to heal. So rest and digestion mm. is replenishing as opposed to breaking down. So I didn't understand the physiology of healing in relationship to stress before surgery. Yes. And what was fascinating to me is we did the prehab process. I had over 120 patients with surgical lesions, flat out needed surgery, tight bone spurs were not going to resolve. They canceled their surgery because the pain disappeared. I essentially put myself out of business. That's a lot of surgeries not to do. And what we finally decided, again, I still am now learning it now looking backwards, is that prehab is not an option. In other words, if I'm a surgeon, why would I want, why would I not want to optimize your chances of success? Number one. Second of all, the data shows there's a paper out of Baltimore in 2014 that shows only 10 that shows that only 10% of surgeons are acknowledging the data that predicts a poor outcome. 10%. In other words, this data has been around for 30 years. This is not new news. I did not know this paper about wound healing, but our whole point was that prehab is necessary to drop inflammatory markers, to optimize outcomes, but also to de decrease complications. It's an anti-inflammatory process. So this paper would be very val valuable for me to look at. But again, I want to say this again. Lots of times now with modern medicine, you go to the surgeon on the first visit, they recommend recommended procedure. And let's say your life circumstances are really stressful. And so I would never do surgery, even before I knew about this, I would never do surgery in the presence of ongoing family conflict. Just wouldn't wow. do that. I mean, I was instinctively 30 years ago. Now I know the neuroscience behind it, but it was incredible to me once the conflict passed, not that I was a person to help solve it, but we would just wait it out they would cancel the surgery because the pain disappeared. Because what happens when your body's inflamed and increases the speed of nerve conduction, so it doubles the speed of nerve conduction, your brain is flown off these inflammatory proteins called cytokine. So your brain is hypersensitive. And so what happens is you calm everything down, you've changed the pain threshold, and the pain really does it, the, the pain really does disappear. I was stunned. I was not ready for that, by the way. I just was not ready for that to have my surgical patients clear lesions they would have done okay with surgery they cancel the surgeries yeah and, and for those of you listening to david um when he says prehab he means pre-rehabilitation before he actually does so very often what david is doing with this um used, used to do with his patients is basically kind of uh, you know to use simple words here is to really down regulate just to calm the nervous system down to dampen it because when we're in pain um, we're talking emotional pain, physiological pain, doesn't quite matter, feeling loveless, lonely. It has a physiological effect. It has a but. So when we feel lonely, when we feel sad, and we don't know what to do, and it, it actually impacts your biology. So right. David's work, and I like how you did that. And for those of you interested in it, David, I'll send you the, um, the article. Um, and it was uh, 2006. And the title of it, if people want to take a look at it on Google, but David, I'll send it over to you after the podcast. Uh, it's called um, Pain and Wound Healing in Surgical Patients. And it was published in the Annals of Behavioral Medicine, uh, wow. volume 2006. Of course, you know, my mission is to take, I mean, really the doc journey and what you do, we're simply taking known, mm -hmm. proven, documented data and just putting it into the public awareness. So right. there you go. There's a paper that says, look, before surgery, if you're in a state of stress and agitation, people don't do as well. But see, in medicine, I never heard of this paper. 
So why isn't that in the public domain? Okay, here's a standard that says, okay, here it is, documented, that if you're in a state of safety or love, be healed. So yeah. why are we going the other direction, making these massive surgical decisions on the first visit? Oh, I mean, it's so backwards. And we actually had a talk last week in our work group where Dr. Talvin and Dr. Mark Sullivan at the University of Washington Pain Clinic pointed out that, again, the patient-doctor relationship is critical. And most people that are in pain, are, they do not feel, feel heard or validated. They don't feel safe. So they're agitated and frustrated, frustrated, which of course makes the pain worse. So then it turns out that really, if you don't have a relationship with your doctor and feel safe, it almost essentially negates every other treatment that we do. So not talking to your doctor is not an option. It's just not, but the business of medicine is taking that away from us. So talking in and of itself is the most powerful healing modality. Obviously other modalities can add onto it, but if you right. have a sense of safety, the rest of it doesn't hardly matter. So my statement right now is that the standard of care in medicine right now is below the standard of care. If you can't talk to your patients, we are right there below the standard of care. Yeah. Purely physiological standpoint. This is not some philosophical thing, not some, some, some type of psychological, psychological construct. It's not David Hanscom. The data has been around forever that if you don't feel safe, your body doesn't heal very well. Yeah. So, uh, Dr. Arya, I am going to attempt to give you the last word today. Uh, yeah, because we want to let people... the, my last words before your last word. <laughs> because we want to let people know about something exciting and absolutely, David, please. Right. So, awesome. so, so the bottom line is love is not just a word. It's not what we think it is as far as some feeling you generate when you meet somebody or have love for your work, etc. It's a deeply ingrained physiological state that is healing both mentally and physically this love is a state that can be induced and we'll talk about that on future podcasts we're also going to discuss what awareness isn't we'll also discuss what love isn't so a lot of layers to this word called love but the bottom line is love a safe physiological state heals that's beautifully said with that said, David, uh, let's share with our audience what we're uh, what mischief we're up to, what fun stuff we're up to. So one of the things um, is before we sign off here today, and thank you for taking time to spend with us, and we really hope that you'll um, come check this out. So last year, Dave and I had the privilege of being interviewed for an inspiring new documentary called Love Heals. And we're so excited about being able to share this with you for several reasons. One, the main reason is there's a special screening in our community that runs uh, from April 25th to May 2nd. Now, I like what David said prior to us coming on is you can you can still go check this out. Uh, but we were hoping by the time this podcast comes out, it'll, st it'll still be within the, um, uh, the time span here. So um, I want you to go look at a special live Zoom workshop on May 1st. This is for anyone um, who purchases the tickets. And I believe, David, it's $15, which is a very small nominal fee for the screening. Um, you don't want to miss this for sure. Uh, if um, you do enjoy David and I, we're going to go a little bit deeper into the mechanics on Love Heals. Um, but you can get the tickets here. Just check it out, um, you know, to support these um Film producers, uh, Dan and Chrisanna, are phenomenal people who actually developed this film. Here's the website, love, www, 
period, love, L-O-V-E, heals, H-E-A-L-S, film, F-I-L-M.com, lovehealsfilm.com, one word. Check that out, and uh, we'll look forward to having folks there to be able to participate. Check out the movie before coming into the um, through the workshop on May um, 2nd, and um let me make sure I got that date right, David. Um, yeah, the, so the workshop's actually May 1st. First, yes, thank you. We're doing an workshop, interactive. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I, I like doing workshops with Les because Les is the guru. He's a psychologist. He has to listen. So I can talk as much as I want. <laughs> I don't know about <laughs> that. The only time I have an advantage over this guy is when he has to listen. You know, if the audience listened to every single episode, I think we do this towards the end every time. So this must be some shtick that we're doing here. So listen, uh, David and audience, thank you so much for spending time. We really look forward to seeing folks um, on this uh, this Zoom workshop. Uh, that's again, as David corrected me, it's May 1st, uh, 2022. Go to the website, lovehealsfilm.com. Look forward to seeing you folks. Let's support these independent um, producers and uh, beautiful documentaries. So we want to wish everyone an awesome and beautiful day. And as David would say, you know, love is the optimal physiological state of healing. Have a great day. David and Les would love to hear from you about today's podcast and any ideas for future topics. You can email them at david Les at dynamichealingpodcast.com. That's david Less at dynamichealingpodcast.com. What is it you really want in life? No matter what you've been through, you can still achieve it. I'm Sandra Ann Taylor, and in my Energy Activation Podcast, we'll explore the science of manifestation and I'll give you specific techniques to shift your energy in order to make your dreams a reality. I also do live energy readings, and you can be a part of the show by emailing your questions to me at sandrataylor.net. Join me on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.